Amen. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I've had church this morning. How about you? That was great, the worship time. Thank you, Jacob, and Amy, and Heather, Franklin, Ken, and Will, hidden back there. Uh, let's uh, remember a few people who are sick that are not able to be with us, like uh, Dean has been really sick with the flu for a week. Uh, Marlon has been sick with the flu. Now Violet has the flu. John L. sick with the flu? Okay. Um, I just got a text. Uh, Becky's at River Life Chapel Hill this morning preaching, and she just sent me a text that Matthew's at home in bed. Matthew Bollinger, sick. Jeff Miller. So who? Tim Ulrich. Lord help. Yeah, amen. David Rummage has been sick. He's in the hospital, but the Lord's healing him. So there's a lot of people sick right now. But you know what the beautiful thing is? Here's what we should think when we hear about the sick. Oh, God's calling us to release that healing anointing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Let's, let's take that. It's like, oh, not like, oh, uh, but this is opportunity. So, Father, we just lift those up in the name of Jesus. Those and others, we, we declare, Lord, that by your stripes, they are healed. We already believe that healing is resident and been provided. And we're asking today, we just declare today that it would manifest in their bodies. You'd raise them up, raise them up in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Hey, if you didn't get to go to the, to the Healing University this past Wednesday night, I really urge you to come this Wednesday night. It's really great. Um, and so I think there's an impartation happening right now and that uh guy andrew womack which i do know him i played golf with him one time yeah he's an amazing guy really kind of but he he uh has an anointing in the word that's pretty remarkable and there's an impartation on him when he speaks so that's what i was feeling the other night when we were listening to it wow there's this impartation coming off of these messages so if you can come that would be great if you can't, get somebody to pray for you to, to be able to receive that impartation. Amen? All right, y'all, you can't be all lively in worship and all, all sedated now. Don't be sedated on me. Hey, who, who has, one more thing, who has chronic pain in their body? Stand up. Chronic pain. If you've got any chronic pain. All right, this is why I'm, I'm saying this. Yesterday, I had a little difficulty in the yard, okay, doing some yard work. And I got hurt, and, you know, I thought, well, I'll be okay. You know, I uh, went to bed, and two hours later, I woke up, and I was in so much pain, I couldn't sleep. That never happened to me in my entire life where I couldn't sleep because of pain. I literally had to get up out of the bed, go sit, and try to sleep in a chair, and which I actually finally went to sleep in the chair, uh, and then was able to go back to bed and this morning I felt much better but I realized chronic pain is just can devastate a person's life and it made me realize one time I was fussing at a friend of mine who had chronic pain I was scolding them for being so bad acting you know and I realized well I started repenting Lord I am so sorry you know because people go through stuff 
when they're hurting. And I just want to ask the Lord right now, and y'all put your hands on somebody who's standing, and let's just ask the Lord to do a miracle and take this chronic pain away, whatever the cause of it. Father, we, we don't believe you want people to be in chronic pain. We believe you want people to rest and sleep and feel healthy in their bodies. And so we ask you today, we're calling out for the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost and power to come on these bodies today and break this chronic thing off of them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we come against the spirit of infirmity that may be attached to people. We come against it right now and we break its power off in people. And we declare, Lord, you said you would give your beloved sleep and rest and peace in their bodies. And we declare that over them today in the name of Jesus. We declare the name of Jesus over these hurting people. And Lord, we ask you that they would feel love. They would feel cared for. They would, have, they would understand that God himself has compassion. And we're declaring that compassion over them today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Amen, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes God will just get a hold of you and stuff, won't he? All righty, mercy, Lord. I think the other thing, uh, <laughs> this is going to be bad for me, but I think it's good for everybody. Uh, man, the Lord, we're in a time where God is visiting people. Yeah, anybody getting visitations where God's speaking to you and... Um, well, I've been in these really amazing places recently, but one of them was this, was I was standing uh, before the Lord, and I was saying, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And there was such a liberty that came with confessing, I'm wrong. And I don't know particularly what I was confessing, I was wrong. I wasn't saying I'm doing, I've done wrong. I, I'm saying I, I'm wrong. And I think what happens when a person passes away, we realize how wrong we've been. I think that's what happens. But we have the opportunity to t- today to say to the Lord, I'm wrong. And when we say that, the Holy Spirit comes like a flood. He really does. It's not a condemnation thing. It's not a judgment thing. It's not a critical thing. It's not an attack on your identity. It's, it's a, here's what it is. It's the part of you that's not being the real you that causes you to be wrong. And we need to get rid of that. And so when we go on to be with the Lord, we don't have to say that to him. You hear what I'm telling you? I pray God will begin to convict us. And really come after our hearts about things that really shouldn't be. Attitudes, actions, behaviors, thoughts. And a lot of them are not just sin. A lot of them are just being wrong. You hear me? And, and, and God makes wrong things right, doesn't he? And he can make us right. And he has made us right. We need to allow that to come forth. I hope you're getting that. I think that's really important in this time we're living in. It kind of goes along with Corey's message from last Sunday of getting your heart in line. That was a good message. If you weren't here, go listen to it. It's online now. That was, I felt like that was a timely word from the Lord, you know, to really speak to us about our hearts. He said some things in there uh, that kind of run against the grain of, of popular Christianity, like do what's in your heart, 
thing. That was pretty interesting. Good old Corey's being brave saying that. You can get condemned in some circles for saying that. Okay, I'm going to make myself do this. Are y'all good? I'm going to read a story to you. Let, well, let me just begin and tell you this story. I want to talk about just a, for a little bit Jacob. Everybody know who's Jacob in the Bible. He was the grandson of Abraham. Abraham was the father of faith. Okay? Abraham is the guy who God used to begin what we're living in today, the new covenant. He, he, there's a thing called the Abrahamic covenant. It's the seeds of the new covenant. And so Abraham had another son. He had a son named Isaac. Y'all remember Isaac and Ishmael and all that good stuff. Well, Isaac uh, winds up uh, having, two, having twins. It, it's just amazing. Isaac had twins. He had two boys, Jacob and Esau. Esau was born first, but Jacob came out holding his heel. Okay? He was what they call a heel grabber. In other words, what Jacob came out of the womb trying to get the place that rightfully belonged to Esau. In the Hebrew culture, the firstborn had double portion. They had the inheritance that was given to them, and Isaac was a very wealthy man. The inher- they got double. They got two-thirds of it. If there was two sons, they got two-thirds of it. They got double what everybody else got, and they became the head of the family. And, they, and during, before Moses the, and before the Levitical priesthood, they were actually the priest of the family. So to be a firstborn in that era and that age was amazing. But here's what happened. Oh, Esau, uh, he was, went out hunting one day. He was an outdoorsman. Don't you love the outdoorsmen? I just love the outdoorsman stuff. When I was a kid, I was an outdoorsman. Somehow I've gotten away from being outdoors. I got stuck inside. But there's an outdoorsman inside. I would get up in the morning in the summer and, and be outside until I had to come in at dark when I was threatened by my mama to get a whipping if you didn't get in here. <laughs> and so, so he was a, a hunter. Jacob was more, you know, a stay-inside guy. He was a cook. He liked to cook. He was kind of girly in some ways, but not ultimately because there was a meanness in that man. Here's what he did. One day, I, uh, Esau, I'm telling you a lot about the Bible, okay? You may already know it, but just in case nobody doesn't know it, this is an important story. One day, Esau had been out hunting, and he was starving. He was so hungry. He was famished feeling. And, and old Jacob had cooked up some stew. And he came in the house, and he smelled the stew, and it was about to kill him. And he asked Jacob for some of the stew. And Jacob said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you this stew if you'll give me your birthright. I'll give it to you. And guess what old Esau did? In that moment of weakness, that moment of brokenness, he gave the stew to, to Jacob. And so Jacob took advantage of his brother. Really, the truth is he took advantage of his brother. But the Bible later doesn't give a good testimony on Esau pulling that trick. Like lots of time we give away something because we don't value something that God places high value on. We value something temporal. You hear what I'm saying to you? We value something temporal more than we value the inheritance that God has for us. Well, okay, so a little bit of time goes by and Isaac's an old man. He's blind, okay? He's a blind old man, you know, on his deathbed. His life was, was... ending it was time to release the blessing on his firstborn 
So the firstborn could take over. Well, oh, wow. Uh, Isaac's wife, being such a godly, awesome woman, went to Esau and said, Hey, your daddy's fixing to give the blessing to Esau. We need to, we need to do something about that. Because she wasn't about to let Esau get that blessing. So she can come out with this scheme where she said, I want you to fix your daddy some food. And I want you to go into him, go in there and get the blessing from him. Well, of course, he said, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not Esau. Well, we're going to put some goat skins on you and some of Esau's clothes on you so you'll smell like Esau. Because he's blind and he won't know. So they do this thing. They go in and Isaac like, are you sure you're Esau? Because you smell like him, you feel like him, but you got the voice of Jacob. Isn't that terrible that they did that to Isaac? Isaac of all people. They were tricking the man. Okay, well, uh, uh, Isaac goes ahead and gives the blessing. He goes ahead and lays hands and, and tell you something, baby, this was important. When that happened, something happened in the spirit. God honored that. Okay? Well, just as soon as he's done, they're out of, he's out of the house, got the goat skins, got his beggar clothes. Guess who shows up? Esau shows up looking for the blessing. Goes in, tries to get his daddy to bless him. And he, daddy like, what the world? It's too late. There was nothing he could do. He couldn't change it. What was done was done. Isaac knew something in the spirit had transfigured, transposed. Had, there was a transaction that had happened. And there was no, that's why the Bible talks about Esau couldn't get it back. Even with tears, it wasn't because he wasn't truly sorry for what he did. But, but there's something had been set in the spirit. And there was nothing Isaac or anybody on, on the earth could do. Are you following me? So, I'm, I got a point to all this, all right? So, obviously, Esau's mad at this point. And he's an outdoorsman. He knows how to kill animals. Guess he starts talking about killing Jacob over it because he's mad. Well, rightfully so, in my mind. So, mama and daddy hear about it like, you got to get out of here because we know Esau's a rough kid and he ain't going to, we can't control him. So they come up with a plan. We need to send you off to Uncle Laban. That's Mama's brother. And there you can find a wife amongst the relatives. That's how they did it, kissing cousins. That's just how they did it back then, right? Kissing cousins. Because Esau went and married an Edomite girl, and they were really furious with him for, for doing that, marrying outside, uh, you know, the godly clan so he takes off and heads on to this journey to go to Uncle Laban's to hopefully find a wife, hopefully let some time pass where Esau would kind of get calmed down and he could come back home. That was his dream, to be able to come back home and be, become, and be the head of the home, be the priest, be the leader, and, and show all his daddy's money. <laughs> So this is where I wanted to pick up the story. Are y'all following all this? Now, it says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place. Everybody say good place. 
to set up a camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Somebody needs to hear this. You've got to get your head on the stone. You hear what I'm saying? Who's the stone? Jesus is the stone. You see, all this is very prophetic here. There's lots of symbolism in this. It really means something. But I do know there's people in this room, the, the, your biggest problem in your life is this. You're ruled by this, and it's not meant to be the ruler. It was, it's been said, and we've said it 10 million times, it's a great servant, but a terrible ruler. Your, your ruling comes from in here. It comes from, from it's, it's what they were saying, let, let the rivers flow out of our belly. That's where the ruler is. And so I just want to encourage you today, if, if you're shut down spiritually, you're letting this rule you. And you need to get your head on that stone, get to a place of rest where God can be, begin to speak to you and reveal himself to you because that's exactly what happened. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven isn't it interesting? It was from earth to heaven versus heaven to earth. I think that's very important. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. That is what Jesus talked about in John 1.51. Uh, Nathaniel, you're going to see heavens open, and you're going to see angels ascending and descending on who? The Son of Man. See, what he was seeing there, he was seeing Christ. That's, and he was seeing Christ on earth. That's why the ladder was set up on earth. And it was a picture of what was going to happen in the future and that God would begin to speak through Christ and through what Christ has made this connection between earth and heaven. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just a beautiful picture? But, and at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. You know, at the top of the stairway, that's beautiful. And he said, I'm the Lord, the God... Of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. This is your land. Okay, now I want you to get this. What God was doing, the blessing given to him by Isaac, God was affirming that blessing. God was affirming what he originally gave to Abraham. Are you hearing me? He was saying, this is what I gave to Abraham. Abraham passed it to Isaac. And God is saying, now, Jacob, you're the man. You get all of this. This belongs to you. Now, I want you to keep going here. Uh, where did I, why can't I keep up for myself? Okay. You're, I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. That sounds like what he said to Abraham, right? Same, same deal. They will spread out in all directions to the west and east, to the north and south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Same blessing that he gave Abraham, the father of faith. Okay? What's more, now this is important, I'm with you. I'm with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised you. Everything. God made this covenant. God made this promise and guaranteed. Everything that Jacob wanted, even coming out of the womb, grabbing his brother, was to get this. He got his daddy to bless him. And now, here's God Himself 
declaring, I'm giving it all to you, and I promise you I will do this. I'm going to do it. That's what God was saying. So at this point, you've got to think, this is like the, I, my dream is coming true. My life is being fulfilled. The thing I was put on this earth for, the thing that burned in my heart, the thing that made me grasp for this thing, I'm getting it. It's mine. My daddy gave it to me. Now, even greater, God is telling me himself. He's speaking directly to me and telling me I'm like granddaddy. And I'm getting what granddaddy had. You'd think that, right? Okay. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Everybody say, I wasn't even aware of it. Uh, I like the other version that says, I didn't know it. The Lord, you know, now we, there's a lot we could say about that, but there's something specific. Because I think that's a very important phrase. Okay? I think that's a key phrase. I didn't know it. Everybody say, I didn't know it. We don't know what we don't know, do we? You know, there's an old saying that says, what you don't know won't hurt you. Have you ever heard that? What you uh, maybe some cases... That might be true, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's opposite. What you don't know can destroy you. Here's some things uh, in Jacob's life I was thinking about it, uh, you know, about I didn't know it. He didn't know his uncle Laban was a deceitful man. He didn't know it. He didn't know that he married the wrong woman until the marriage was consummated. He woke up with the wrong woman. He didn't know it. Can you think, how dumb can you get, son? You end up in bed with this woman, and now you find out, I didn't, I didn't bargain seven years for you. He spent seven years working to get this one woman, and his uncle tricked him. And so he had to spend another seven getting the one he really wanted. So he wound up with two for one. <laughs> Later, he had a wrestling match with a man. The Bible says he wrestled with this man, and he didn't know it that that man was the Lord himself. He didn't know it. He kept asking, what's your, you know, the man gave him a blessing. He kept asking his name, man, my name's too wonderful, big W. (laughs) Robin brought out, Robin McMillan, if you didn't listen to his message from a few weeks ago, go listen to his message. Very powerful message on the life of Joseph. One of the points he brought about Jacob is Jacob believed for 22 years Joseph was dead. He didn't know it. He was alive. Think about the grief that not knowing something brought under that man's life. You know, and right here we have, he didn't know that he had been given the thing that he had pursued earnestly. See, Jacob really didn't know it. He didn't know what had happened to him because here's what he says. Let's look down in verse 20. Are y'all following this? Then Jacob made this vow. And after the Lord gave him all this stuff, promised all this stuff to him, listen, if, everybody say if. If God will indeed be with me. Remember when God spoke to Abraham and told, gave him this promise? What does the Bible say? Genesis 15, I think even, uh, I think James 4, I think. Abraham believed God. Jacob saying, if. Not Yes, Lord, I receive it. If God, 
If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing. So he was making a deal like he made with his brother, like he made with his mama. He's making a deal, trying to make a deal with God. God, if, if you will really do this, then he goes on and says, uh, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will certainly be my God. This is after... Y'all see this? God spoke to him, made a promise to him. And what he's saying is, if the Lord will do this, then God will be my father. In other words, when I get back here, then I will believe God. Then God will be my God. See, here's the, great, the crazy thing about it. Jacob had the thing his heart desired. It was given to him. It was spoken over him, but he didn't really, was not really able to receive it. And he went back into this fleshly carnal mode of trying to get something from God that he really already had. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? He already had it, and now he's trying to get it. Is that not our state? Is our state not that we're trying to get God to do something? And God has said, I've already done it. And you're no different from Jacob. You're no different. I relate to Jacob well. I really do. Because I've spent a lot of my Christian life trying to get from God things. Wrestling with God. To get him to do something. He's saying, I've already done that for you. You just don't, you don't have, a, you have a belief problem. You have a doubt problem. You have a trust problem. It's really the truth. And this, and this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place of worshiping God and I will present to God a tenth of everything He gives me. That's all after, you know, God has to prove Himself to Him instead of believing what God had told Him. Um, so it really is, and, and it really led Him into situations He didn't need to be led into, you know. Um, I think it's really important for us to really begin to, to know what God's given us. I think, we're, I think we're in a time where God is trying to get the church to, to believe Him. And begin to operate not like Jacob. Saying, well, if this is true then God needs, and I will do this if when God has proven himself to me. I'll believe in healing when God heals me. You know, I'll believe that God wants to bless me financially when my bank account's overflowing. I believe that God wants to save all my children when they're all saved. And see, we've, we've gone down this road. We've gone down this road and it's hurt us. It's hindered us. That's why, ja- that's why Jacob's life is a beautiful life in a lot of ways for us because it really shows us. I think in Robin's message, he talked about G- uh, Joseph being a, an amazing type of Jesus Christ. And, and so Jacob is an amazing type of most believers. His life is a type of our life. That's why we can glean so much from him. We can learn so much from him. Lots of it is learning how not to be. Lots of it is learning how not to be. So, um, 
I feel I'm shifting gears a little bit, okay? I want to shift away from Jacob. I feel there's opportunity for knowing things, for coming into revelation about what God has already provided for us and given us and how we can begin to lay hold of those things. I feel like this is a must right now. I don't know about you. Some of y'all are a little bit younger than me, a couple of people in this room anyway. You know, I think there's two or three people younger than me. The rest of you are either my age or older. So I want to encourage you, old people. I mean, I'm on the clock. I don't know about you. I'm on the clock. You're on the clock. I don't care how old you are. You're on the clock. And here's what the clock is. The clock is the age we're in. It's, it's winding down. And the church is going to be a beautiful bride. It's just time to be, start becoming that beautiful bride. Here's what Jesus said. I didn't put that up there. He, uh, he was approached by some people about marriage and about who's going to be married in heaven. And they go through this whole big story with him, seven brothers, seven wives, you know, and the same woman. Because in that culture, the man's brother dies, the brother had to marry the woman, you know, blah, blah. It was a terrible rule, I think, because I don't want to marry her. I married the woman I married, you know. Uh, and here's what Jesus said to those people. He said, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. And it's caused you error. In other words, what I said, some things hurt us if we don't know them. And that's what Jesus was saying to those people. Because you don't know the scriptures, and because you don't know the power of God, it's hurting you. And it's causing you to come to wrong answers and wrong conclusions. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Here's, here's a couple. This is my little soapbox. I'm, can I give you my soapbox? <laughs> I have a little soapbox. One soapbox is about the healing thing. And that was so great. I loved the other night is that Andrew Womack, he hit this right from the start. This whole business about why everybody doesn't get healed. And people have come up with these theologies. The theology is God's trying to teach you a lesson, right? Yeah, terrible theology. You know, he just absolutely destroyed that argument. But you see, you know where that argument came from? People not getting healed. Why aren't they not getting healed? Let's come up with an answer. Let's come up with a logical answer. Oh, we're not getting healed because God's trying to teach us something. That's a logical answer. Here's another one that's really disturbing to me. That's really gotten into the church world. Uh, it's about hell. How can a loving God have a hell? Right? Oh, here's the answer to that. Everybody's going to heaven. So there's, no, there's not really a hell. Let me tell you something. That is not what the Bible says. I want to make it really clear. There is a hell. Now, I'm saying that's what the Word of God says out of Jesus' own mouth. And for us to logically 
maneuver and come up with some ideal that there's not a hell because we can't explain why God would do a hell because God is love. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's answers coming from a lack of revelation. That's my soapbox. And I've had a lot of discussions with people who question that, and I get it. I mean, I mean I've had questions like, what the heck? But here's a great verse that I think all of you, I should have put it up there, I didn't, but we should all have this one. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. Known to no one. We are not accountable for them. So when somebody get, doesn't get healed unless a God reveals something to them, we're not accountable for it. You hear what I'm saying to you? There's some things we're just not accountable. If God hasn't revealed it, we're not accountable for it. And we shouldn't try to come up with some really foolish answer. Uh, boy, this is a great scripture. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that is revealed to us. So that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. So we're not accountable for what hasn't been revealed. But we are accountable for what has been revealed. Are you following me? So the Bible has revealed certain things about healing sex. Let's just use that. And, and this is what it's revealed. That on the cross we were healed. We're accountable for that. And that really, by the way, is a great way to honor the Lord. If you're, you know, worship's a great way, obviously. It's a really beautiful way. But bringing healing to people honors what Christ has done. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Everybody in this church, I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth. Everybody in this church, when we pray for healing, you should be piling up here to pray for them if you really want to honor the Lord. I'm just being honest with you. We shouldn't be setting back. You want to honor God, start seeing people healed. Go after healing. Because it honors the sacrifice. It honors what Jesus went through. Y'all don't feel condemned about that, do you? I want you to feel convicted. I want to get you up off the seat when God starts doing something. And say, I want in on what God's doing. Because it really does honor God. It really is worship. Now, you can say what you want to about that, but it's the truth. All right, I'm just getting off my soapbox. All right, let me give me just a couple minutes more, okay? Because I want to get you accountable for some things this morning. What? So, you know, Jacob, God revealed to him, and he was accountable for what God revealed to him. He didn't handle it well, but in the end, it worked out. What is our inheritance as believers? What has God revealed in the Word of God and through revelation that He has for us? That's, that's what I want to tell you this morning. Okay, every Christian has an inheritance from God. Every Christian has a birthright from God. Birthright means that's your right to have something. Okay? Are y'all following this? All right, let me just read this scripture, uh, Romans eight seventeen. And since we are his children, we are what? His heirs. Do you hear that? We're his heirs. We have an inheritance because... We're children of God. So that's the really, let me just say this, that's the foundation. If you want to get into what God has for you, you got to know something. you got to know you're a child. you got to know you belong to God. you got to have an encounter with the Father. you got to believe that you belong and you're in Him. He's in you and you belong to Him. If you don't have that revelation, none of this is going to really flow in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Anybody? 
It's a revelation of God as our Father. And because we are His sons and daughters, we have access to what the Father has given us. Because we're His children. We're family. We're family. In family, you get things. I'm not taking care of all y'all's kids. But Philip can call me and ask me to get his kids. I'll be glad to do it. Why? Because we're family and I just happen to love them. And I enjoy being around them. You see what I'm saying? Family has privileges. We have privileges with God. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We're heirs of, we have inherited the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's our inheritance, His glory. But, with all, but if we are to share His glory, we must share His suffering. So there's some persecution. There's some difficulties. So let me just say that right up front. All, all that God has for us is beautiful and awesome, but there's going to be troubles. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. That's part of the deal. Jesus, Jesus made that up for, and I'll read a scripture in a minute about that. But here's some things that I want to just... I don't have none of this on there. I'm just going to tell you some things. I've been going through the New Testament and reading what I have inherited because I want to know what God has given me so I can begin to pursue it and I can begin to lay hold of it in my own life. Okay? Are y'all following this? So Jesus is the firstborn of a new creation, right? And he has, that's what that scripture says. And he shares his birthright with us. See, we are not the second born who's going to get the measly portion, the lesser portion. Jesus has said, I invite you in to get the double portion. I invite you in to become the head, not the tail. I invite you in to become a priest. Are y'all following this? And when we begin to really see this, begin to see what he has done, It's going to change us radically. And our belief systems are going to radically change and we're going to begin to access things we could never access before. I really believe this with all my heart. Like I say, I'm on the clock. Okay? i got to start accessing some stuff and start putting it out there. Or I'll never live up to who God created me to be and do what God created me to do. And the same for you. Uh, Listen, here's one of the things. We've inherited a name that is above all names. That's Philippians 2.10, a name that is above all names. We've inherited that name. We have a new name. His name's Jesus. And also in that name, we've inherited power and authority. We have inherited power and authority. That's Mark 16.17. We have inherited an unshakable kingdom. That's Hebrews 12, 28. In that kingdom, we have inherited righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17. Is this not getting good to y'all? I'm thinking this is a good deal. We have inherited spiritual wealth. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. The Bible says that Jesus became impoverished so we could be enriched. That's what it says. We have inherited spiritual wealth. 2 Corinthians 8 9 and Revelations 2 10. We have inherited great and precious promises that enable us to share His divine nature. Great and precious promises that has enabled us. 2 Peter 1 4. That's what 2 Peter 1 4 says. We have inherited an open heaven. Hebrews 10 19. 
through 20. We have inherited an open heaven. Don't believe anything. I'll just say this. If heaven's closed, it's closed here. Heaven's open. Jesus' flesh made sure of that. That's what Hebrews tells us. When his flesh was torn open, heaven was torn open. Never to be put back together again. You and I should fight bitterly for that. We should fight and contend for that all day long. Instead of believing, I was raised, I just want to say this, I was raised to believe heaven is brass. It's an Old Testament concept. Heaven is brass. Y'all know that? That means when you pray, your prayers hit and bounce back down. That's a lie. Your mind may be brass. Your mind may be brass, but heaven's not brass. Heaven's opened. It's open to you. God has made a way. Jesus Christ made a way. And when we had to shift our thinking, oh, heaven feels like brass. God's not answering our prayers. Where's God? Something ain't wrong with God. Something's wrong here. I need to ask God to help me with that. Are y'all following this? Well, yeah. We are made more than conquerors. That's Romans 8, 37. Uh, we are made kings and priests unto God. That's Revelations 1, 6. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing. That's if the, every spiritual blessing in heaven. We have been given that already. How many of us are going after that? Are we saying to God, oh God, if you'll please do this for me. Where he says, I've already done that for you. I need to change the way you think and change your heart so you can begin to lay hold of these things. I'm saying that to me because that's what's going on in my life. We are members. Oh, y'all don't like church. We are members of the church of the firstborn. Ain't that a beautiful thought? That might change your mind about church. The church, that's Hebrews 12, 23. Okay, I wanted to read this one here that's fascinating. I saw this for several years ago. I was like, what the world? This is crazy, man. This is one of these crazy things in the Bible. This is an insane couple of verses here. If you take this literally, man, I mean, this is Paul talking to these Corinthians, and they were you know, uh, I'm, I'm lining up behind Paul. I'm lining up behind Paulo's. I'm, you know, they were getting into all this crazy stuff. And he was admonishing them. And then this is what he says in verse 21. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. Listen. For everything is yours. Is that crazy or what? Everything's yours. That's what Paul was telling the Corinthians. It's all yours. How many people really believe that? I don't know there's many people on this earth that are walking in that. Whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you because everything belongs to Jesus and he's made us a co-heir with Jesus. That's what he was trying to tell us. Everything. God's trying to change the way you think. I know you're got five... Five arguments in your mind right away about that verse. At least five. But this is what it says. You're accountable for it now. I'm accountable. (laughs) I'm tricking you. I'm just messing with you. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. And that's why Peter called uh, our inheritance a priceless inheritance. Verse Peter 1, 4. A priceless inheritance. No price can be put on everything. No no price can be put on it. Now, I know some's argument will be this. Well, that's in heaven. 
And that's not really what the New Testament teaches. Uh, it will be fulfilled in heaven, obviously. But God's looking for a, a people who will begin to start walking in this now. You know? And begin living in this. Of course we're not going to live the fullness of it now. You know, because we live in a fallen world. And, but when we see Christ, we'll be just as Christ is. That's when it will be totally fulfilled. But between now and then, God's looking for some people who are willing to lay hold of the inheritance that he paid a dear price for. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who are willing to say, I don't understand this. I don't get this. This seems so out there. I don't even want to believe it because I feel stupid believing something that that's that outrageous. But that's what he's looking for. He's looking for outrageous belief. And begin to take God at what the Word of God says. And you know what? And He'll work out the details. Uh, as people worried about people, you know, using stuff wrong and abusing and all that. I'm, God's not worried about that. I promise you, if you start doing stuff wrong and using stuff wrong and abusing stuff wrong, God will address you in a heartbeat. He, will, he knows how to straighten things. God knows how to discipline people. God chastises people, y'all. Whether you believe that or not, the Bible says God chastises people because we're His children. And if you're not chastised by God, you're not being, it, it's not a good reflection. Are y'all following this? Y'all are just looking at me like I'm up here saying a bunch of crazy stuff, you know? I'm trying to tell you what the gospel really is for us believers. This is what God has done. This is what Jesus has laid His life down for us. And He's just saying, would you please a child never walks until it crawls or tries to crawl. He wants to get mobile. I want, that's how I feel. I want to get mobile here. I want to move from where I've been. I want to start stepping into more of what God has for me. And I want God to put that fire in us when we're not going to be satisfied staying where we are. And accepting a low-level Christianity because that's what's acceptable in the world, in the church world. It's unacceptable. Are you okay? All right, let me read one more verse to you because it's time to stop. Hebrews 12, 16. This is about old good old godless Esau. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. That's what God felt about that business. Godless and immoral because you traded something that was priceless. Now, you can put your thing in. It may not be a bowl of soup, but it could be dignity. You know? It could be what other people think. It could be what your little brain says. Are you hearing me? You could trade away all these promises because you can't believe it, and you refuse to believe it. Or you refuse, oh, I'm scared I'll get in the air. I'm scared I'm going to go too far. And see, God really says, no. The reason Esau shows up in the Bible is, is to tell us, don't do that. Don't do that. All right. <laughs> There's one great little story over in uh, Judges 6. Y'all remember that story? Good old, uh, what's that dude's name? Gideon. Gideon, here's Gideon. He's out there threshing floor, uh, wheat in a wine press which, because they were being attacked by Midianites. 
okay? You don't thresh wheat in a wine press, you, but you had to because they were stealing all their food. And they, were, they would plant all this food, and then they would starve to death. And this angel shows up. It's crazy that it says this angel is sitting under a tree. Like, people are looking for, you know, sometimes the supernatural is right around you, sitting under a tree. Instead of coming in blazes of glory, he's there sitting under a tree. And uh, starts talking to him, and, you know, about why, you, you know, what's going, why are you doing this? Uh, well, why ain't the Lord, why ain't the Lord, if this is all true, why are we like this? That's what he said to this angel. If God's with us, because he said, mighty man of God, God's with you. Well, if God's with us, why is all this happening? How many people are guilty of that? Probably everybody in this room. And you know what that angel told him? He said, go in the strength of yours and deliver this nation. He didn't say, go in the strength I'm giving you. He said, go in what you already got. Go in what you already got. And see, I think it's time for the church to start doing it. Instead of saying all this, why ain't God doing this? Why didn't this person get healed? Or why this? Or why that? Why? 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 Why isn't God answering my prayers? It's just no different. What God's asking us to do is start stepping up and believing in Him and taking hold of what He's done for us. Right? And, and you know, we're going to make some mistakes and fumble around here because we're like little children trying to do this. We're like babies. That's how I feel. I'm a baby. But I'm going to go after it, y'all. How many people want to go after this? All right, let me stand up if you really want to go after this. Let's just ask the Holy Ghost to do what. Because, see, we're not going to go after this in our own strength. That would be so stupid beyond measure, right? We have the Holy Ghost. God has given us power to go after the promises of God. God has given us power to be overcomers. God has given us power to access the open heaven. He's done all that. Just say, Lord, I want to do it. I want in, Lord. I'm tired of being what I am. I want to be what you called me to be. I want to be who you say I am. I want to be that overcomer. I want to be a person who's walking around with a priceless inheritance. Because the world needs that priceless inheritance. The world needs healing. The Lord needs all yeah, amen. There you go. Come on. Say, say to Jesus, say, Jesus, thank you for your name. Thank you that you have entrusted me with your name. And you've also given me the grace and you've given me the wisdom to bear to handle your name and use your name that, in a way that will always honor and glorify you. And I just thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you for your name, Lord. Lord, thank you for salvation. If you're an unsaved person today, I'm going to tell you, salvation is good news. Salvation is wonderful. If you don't know the Lord and you'd like to tap into some of this, come up here for prayer. We're going to have some people praying. Oh, uh, I've been so meditating on salvation. Salvation means getting saved from our sins and from our fallenness. It means being healed. These are all meanings from the Bible. It means being healed, made whole. 
It means being delivered from all the curses of this world. Okay, it means becoming a new creation. That new man. And, and becoming like Christ. That's what salvation is. Lord, thank you for salvation. Lord, we thank you for salvation. Tell the Lord, say, Lord, thank you for salvation. Lord, thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you picked me out for some reason. You, you chose me, Lord. You didn't have to choose me, Lord. You could have looked over me. I didn't deserve for you to choose me, Lord. I didn't deserve salvation. I don't deserve you, Lord. But you chose me anyway. Tell the Lord, you chose me anyway, Lord. I was on the wrong path, Lord. Tell Him, I was on the wrong path. I was going down, Lord. And you showed up in my life one day and revealed yourself to me. Lord, I'm eternally thankful for that. Lord, I can't complain today. Because if you wouldn't have showed up in this boy's life, this boy would be in the ground right now. I was headed for the grave. Literally, I was headed for the grave. And Jesus showed up one night. He showed up one night and saved me. He gave me salvation. You know, the Bible says, He who is forgiven much, loves much. He who has forgiven little, loves little. There's not a soul in this room who's not been forgiven much. Before salvation and after salvation, we've been forgiven a lot of things. God is a forgiver. I wonder, y'all, if Jacob, if Jacob couldn't receive all, all these promises because deep in his heart, he knew what kind of man he was. That he was a cheater and a liar. And he felt like he didn't deserve any of that. That God. I wonder if Jacob thought that. I, I've wondered, like, why couldn't he receive it? Maybe he felt like he had to do something for God to receive these blessings. Where God was saying, you don't have to do a thing. I've done it for you. If you feel like you don't deserve something, don't let that stop you. Because nobody deserves Nobody has earned anything from God. It's all a gift from heaven that He wants you to have and wants me to have and He wants us to walk in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if that thing is on you that you've got to earn something, curse that thing off of you today. Break it. Say, I renounce, I renounce earning anything from God. Say, I renounce it. I don't have to earn nothing. I don't have to do nothing. I've already got it, Lord. I've got it, Lord. Teach me how to use it. Teach me how to use it. Teach me how to use it, Jesus. Teach me, Lord. I'm a student, Lord. I'm teachable, Lord. Are you teachable today? Are you teachable? Can you allow God to do something different in your life? Can you allow God to make a difference in you that He hasn't made yet? Can we allow God to take us into something different than we've never been in before? Can we really allow that? Well, I'm saying to the Lord, yes, you sure, sure can, Lord. In fact, if you don't take me into it, I'm going to be a disappointed boy. But I don't have nothing to be disappointed about because he's already done more for me than I can ever dream. I just feel like he's saying, firing, there's a lot more. There's a lot. You don't know what you don't know, son. 
Amen. So just lift your hands to heaven just for a second. I know it's time to go. I just, I just want to take this moment, y'all. I just want to see an impartation from heaven come. I, I just want to see God do something in us where we're not settled and satisfied in an ungodly way that we could really say to the Lord, Lord, I know there's more to you than I know. And I just need for you to make it's not that we get more of God, y'all. We just come to this revelation and realization of what God's already done. That's the more of God. That's the more of God. Let me see what I already have, Lord. Let me see what I already have in Christ and begin to walk in that, Jesus. That's what I want, Lord. It's going to look a little different from you than me. We're all particular people. Let him. Just let. Just say, I let you, Lord. I let you, Lord. I let you, Lord. Say, I let you, Lord. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm really not, but I'm just saying this. I just feel something in me that I can't. I just let you, Lord. I'm tired, Lord. I'm tired of the way it was. I don't want to live in the was. I'm tired of the walls, Lord. I want the now of God. I want who Christ is today in my life, in your life. I want this church to be on fire. I want this church to make a difference. I want this church to stop babies from being killed. I want this church to see people who are broken, healed, and saved. I want this church to see bodies that are crushed fixed I want that because this is what the Bible says 1 Corinthians I think it's verse 11 chapter 1 it's all for the glory and praise of Jesus when those things happen it's for the glory and praise of Jesus that was a good word this morning honor Jesus amen Woo, come on here, mister. I've kept y'all over 11 minutes. When we first came to North Carolina in 1974, we didn't really know why we were coming. And we were driving through Virginia, and we came to the North Carolina border. And as we came to the, the North Carolina border and we saw that saw sign that said, Welcome to North Carolina, the Lord spoke to me and said, You're here for the grace of God, to teach and proclaim the grace of God. And grace is undeserved favor and that means every little bit of I deserve stands in the way of the grace of God. You understand? Every little deserve. Any time the enemy comes and says to you that you deserve something that you're not getting, instead of what God really wants to freely give you right now. It's there to be an obstacle in your way 
from the grace of God, from the very things that Byron is speaking about. And, I, and there is opportunity, continuing opportunity, to enter into the manifest grace of God. And you would be a fool. I would be a fool to try it another way. Let's, let's give up on every little silly piece of righteousness that we imagine that we have. That, let, let, us, let us do so. And also, just personally, thank you for all of you who uh, have prayed for me in the last week or so. Uh, it's just appreciated more than than you might know uh beloved i thank god for every one of you thank you don well brothers and sisters co-heirs right of our inheritance we're gonna um do some worship the ministry team's gonna come forward Vamos a hacer un poco de divinización. Los eh, hermanos van a pasar. And just want to encourage you to keep pursuing healing. Y te animo que sigas persiguiendo la sanidad. But also, I just want to say not just physical healing, but if you need mental healing. Pero no solamente sanidad física, pero también sanidad mental. Anxiety or depression. Ansiedad, depresión. Or if you're in a position where you don't feel like you deserve the si estás, inheritance that God has already given you let's get that grace that Don was talking about so if that's you you should come up here and get one of these people to pray for you and let's, let's break that thing off today for everybody else who's out of here just Lord bless you Lord keep you may his face shine upon you Amen. We love y'all. Te bendecimos.